Okay, all that extremist music by Carl Klang, Alphabet Soup, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Eurofolk Radio, and this is Bloodlines, and uh, as usual, our co-host today is Michael Swede. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing very good here from sunny Sweden now, yeah, so the sun yeah. is coming back. Yeah, so uh, I just want to quickly talk about, uh, because last night I did a fairly extensive report on what's going on in Ukraine, and uh, it was a, another patriot looking at what's going on there, and uh, that person basically had the same feeling that you and I did last Sunday, talking about this matter, that uh, it's a shame that this war is going on, although you really can't uh, de- decipher what to believe because there's so much fake news coming from from Ukraine. But uh, everybody agrees that on the patriotic side, in fact, uh, pro-Trumpers, the Q- QAnon people, are all siding with Putin because uh, they feel his invasion, if it actually took place, <laughs> was justified because of all of the bioweapons labs that the Ukrainians have put on the Russian border. Okay, Now, whether Putin is actively uh, engaging in war or whether he's been backed into a corner by the Israelis, we haven't yet determined, but I called my friend in Russia, Alex, and he said that the Russian people are really not supporting this war. So they just want the war to end to whatever extent it's being fought. Okay. So, uh, and I would concur with that opinion. So it's not a popular war, although, the, you know, the mass media thinks uh, that, uh, you know, Russia has fully invaded. The other things I heard, which we briefly discussed, was that Kalensky, or Zelensky was actually arming street gangs, thugs. Okay, giving them semi-automatic weapons, which they were uh, using to fire against the Russians from uh, vacated buildings. Right, so so he's uh, enabled Russian thugs to take over neighborhoods, and they execute uh, civilians too. Okay, so this is the type of government the Ukrainians have. Very unfortunate, Michael. Over to you. Yeah, and this for me, I have also been sending out some um, uh, some videos that showing basically from uh, um, Kiev where there is basically no no actions. There are a lot of uh, reporters, there are a lot of other stuff going on. So, and here is my my problem with all this. You said there's a lot of fake news out, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I just try to send what is true and what is not true, and then mm-hmm. you should keep what is good. And then get away that that is said in First Thessalonians five twenty one, that it says that prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Right. So yeah. this this for me still I, I have not made up what's really going on because I don't know Russian, I don't know Ukraine, and then I, I'm just sharing them information what I'm getting. Nothing here. Look yeah. at it. So that's kind of how I don't know how I try to navigate this whole whole thing. Right. Um, right. So. Uh, this is for me also, as I know, the, you, as you said, the, the Jewish pr- um, president there in Ukraine. Yeah, it's yeah. you. So of course, he's they a scumbag. They are. Yeah. You, I can't trust them. They, no, no. Uh, um, so, uh, and all you get from mass media is fake news. Fake news by fake Jews, <laughs> right? And and uh, so you have to rely on the reports you get from the ground, and uh, precious little of that. Okay, so. But we'll find out sooner or later, just like January 6th. Yeah, I smell the rat. You know, this is, of course, two years ago now. I smell the rat that this was a setup. 
from day one. <laughs> okay. From day one, I smelled that was a setup. And uh, they're still detaining innocent white people uh, from January 6th without being charged. Okay. They don't treat black people that way. They only treat white people that way. Okay. So anyway, uh, we'll keep you updated on this situation as soon as we know uh, for sure facts, okay? But the one thing that everybody, all the patriots are agreed on is that Putin is within his rights to challenge the military buildup that has gone on across the border and the aggressive actions that Ukraine has taken to into the uh, Russian uh, cultural people in Donbass and other territories, which uh, they voted. They actually voted to leave Ukraine and join Russia. Mass media doesn't tell you that either. Okay. Yeah, so, that's, that's, yeah. Uh, I also want to comment. Yeah, this is all something that we don't get reports from this eastern part of um, Ukraine, where it could be that Ukrainian army is attacking their own citizens. They may that's be attacking right. there. So we don't, and that's what I want to like, also want to like uh, summarize all this, that I don't know, I don't profess that I know. I'm sharing, yeah. I try to get a grasp of all this, what is going on. So that's, that's kind of, uh, and we know that all warfare is based upon deception. That's right. That's right. So if, uh, and yeah. also I send you now an article, Iala, that I read yesterday in my show that has said, um, Jews of the world unite against Russia. I think that was. Oh, part. okay. Yeah, it's a Jewish war against Ukraine, right? And the Ukrainians are caught in the middle yet again. It's just another holodomor. That's what this is, folks. It's just another holodomor. It's destabilization of Europe, Russia, the whole area. That's what the Jews really want. Total destabilization. Okay, an excuse for their intervention. All right, their globalist intervention. That's all that's going on. I, I, I prayed last night that the Germans would wake up and not get involved. <laughs> so, so we'll see oh, what happens. Germans. Yeah. Yes, I, sorry, there are so many I have seen. It's unfortunately very, very, very brainwashed. Very brainwashed. Good okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, my, that's what I've seen, though. Okay. Yeah. It they seems like the, the the French are not as brainwashed because they know Macron is a Jew. <laughs> right? They know that. Yeah. So France is in the same situation as Ukraine. The internationalists plunked a Jew down in their country to ma and made that person president. Okay? Same story. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the rest of the world is not Jew savvy. And I guess the Germans are, just aren't Jew savvy. Is, no, you know, they don't know that Merkel is a Jewess, so they right. they don't even want to think about those kind of stuff. They go, oh, and they think yeah, about right. Hitler and all that. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Angela. So she sorry, looks they, German. <laughs> she looks German, right? She was an yeah, East German yeah. operative before. How did she make the transition from an East German communist to the prime minister or whatever they call her uh, of Germany? How did that? You know, how do you make t such a trans transition, right? So, uh, unless you have banker support, right? So, okay. So, anyway, let's get – I wanted to do uh, – people have to get used to my semi-annual rants against daylight saving time and central standard time because I have been arguing for years that it's a complete waste of time. And now we have scientific evidence that it's, in fact, dangerous, okay? So, this article, which I posted in the chat room, is from medicalexpress.com. Uh, dated, uh, what, uh, th uh, three, uh, March, March, uh, not, not an exact date. Oh yeah, March 11th. Oh, dated uh, a couple days ago. March 11th, 2022. 
why daylight saving time is unhealthy. A neurologist explains, As people in the U.S. prepare to turn their clocks ahead one hour in mid-March, I find myself bracing for the annual ritual of media stories about the disruptions to daily routines caused by switching from standard time to daylight saving times. And of course, I've always been joking about, oh, you know, you made a date. A woman complains that she made a date with this guy and he didn't show up, right? No, the fact is she was an hour early <laughs> and he had the correct time, but she got up early. Okay. And so they just failed to connect. Well, you know, she blamed him. He stood me up. I hate him, right? That's that's, a, that's just a small part of what's going on. Let's continue here. About a third of Americans say they don't look forward to these twice-yearly time changes. An overwhelming 63% to a 16% majority would like to eliminate them completely. They didn't survey me, but I'm in that group. But the effects go beyond simple inconvenience. Researchers are discovering that springing ahead in March is connected with serious negative health effects, okay? I'm a professor of neurology and pediatrics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville and the director of our sleep division. In a 2020 commentary for the journal JAMA Neurology, my co-authors and I reviewed the evidence linking the annual transition to daylight saving time to increased strokes heart attacks, and teen sleep deprivation. Only with teens? Teenagers? Uh, I would think that would be across the board, but that's what it says here. Teen, T-E-E-N, teen sleep deprivation. Based on an extensive body of research, my colleagues and I believe that the science establishing these links is strong and that the evidence makes a good case for adopting permanent standard time nationwide. There you go. I'm for that as I testified at a recent congressional hearing. So, science is backing us up. Missing sleep, worse health. Falling back, going from daylight saving time to standard time each November by turning the clocks back one hour is relatively benign. While some people may feel thrown off balance and need a few weeks to recover, (laughs) yeah, and need six months to recover, research hasn't linked it to serious impact on health. Springing forward is harder on the body, however. This is because our clock time is moved an hour later. In other words, it feels like 7 a.m. even though our clocks are saying it's 8 a.m. So it's a permanent shift to later morning light for most for almost eight months, not just for the day of the change or a few weeks after. Yeah, well, it's out of sync with nature. Uh, farmers, they get up by the sun and go down by the sun, right? So this is particularly notable because morning light is valuable for helping to set the body's natural rhythms. It wakes us up and improves alertness. Oh, no wonder people are no longer, no wonder I have to have five cups of coffee (laughs) to feel alert. Although the exact reasons are not yet known. Yeah, well, it throws your body rhythms off. We are creatures of the sun. Our our bodies are designed to work with the sun. Okay, what do they call it? The biorhythms. This uh, circadian rhythm, I think they'll also call it. Uh, this may be due to light's effects on increasing levels of cortisol, a hormone that modulates the stress response or the effect of light on the amygdala, a part of the brain involved in emotion. Yeah, it makes me upset, as you can probably tell. In contrast, exposure to light later into the evening delays the brain's release of melatonin, the hormone that promotes drowsiness. 
This can interfere with sleep and cause us to sleep less overall, and the effect can last even after most people adjust to losing an hour of sleep at the start of daylight saving time. Because puberty also causes melatonin to be released at a, later at night, meaning that teenagers, yeah, I read that right, it is teens, it affects teens, meaning that teenagers have a delay in the natural signal that helps them fall asleep. And adolescents, are per- <laughs> they want to stay up all night anyway. Adolescents are particularly susceptible to sleep problems from the extended evening light of daylight saving time. This shift in melatonin during puberty lasts into our 20s. No wonder I was always, uh, my nerves were always frazzled when I was going to college. Adolescents also may be chronically sleep deprived due to school, sports, and social activity schedules. For instance, many children start school around 8 a.m. or earlier. This means that during daylight saving time, many young people get up and travel to school in pitch darkness. Right? Okay, just one more section here, the western edge effect. Geography can also make a difference in how daylight saving time affects people. One study showed that people living on the western edge of a time zone who get light later in the morning and light later in the evening got less sleep than their counterparts on the eastern edge of a time. Well, yeah, because we get up with the sun. They uh, they get up an hour later and go to bed an hour later. Because, uh, for example, eastern time zone in, in America goes from New York City to Chicago. All right? So uh, if I stand at the Indiana border, one foot in Indiana, one foot in Illinois, my one foot in Indiana is an hour <laughs> hour ahead of my left foot if I'm facing north. Hey, that's very confusing, folks. I've been working in Illinois and uh, tried to go to a hardware store late in the afternoon at 4 o'clock. And re- oh, no, I went to Indiana and the store was already closed because it was 5 o'clock in Indiana. That's very stressful, folks. Very stressful. Okay, so so they they call it circadian rhythm. Scientists believe that these health problems may result from a combination of chronic sleep deprivation and circadian misalignment. Circadian misalignment refers to a mismatch in timing between our biological rhythms and the outside world. In other words, the timing of daily work, school, or sleep routines is based on the clock rather than on the sun's rise and set. So there it is, folks. There it is, scientific proof that these chime changes are bad for us. Okay? Yeah. And, okay. Um, um, a bit comment, as I said, yeah, the sun, the stuff that people, what uh, the, when I research into this, what I've come up to understand is that uh, the time in, in, the, um, in the day when your melatonin level is, what do you say, when it's produced, it is in the, in the morning when your eyes seeing the morning sun. That's yes. why it's so important to see this every morning because that will also make sure that you will have a good night's sleeps because the melatonin will be released during night. When the sun goes down, then melatonin will be released. But it will be produced during day, 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 during your daytime hours, during the morning. That is why it's so important to see the morning sun. Yeah, like farmers do, <laughs> right? As a yeah. matter of fact, as you're saying that the sun is rising over my left shoulder, <laughs> right? So I got up too early. Okay, so yeah, so this has been a problem. Uh, now, of course, America is about three thousand miles long from, uh, actually longer than that, but from New York to uh, L.A., something like that, three thousand miles. Okay, how wide is Sweden? It probably doesn't affect the country of Sweden that much. 
No, it's on the height. We are we are more on the heights. There's, I mean, for us uh, during the during the middle of the winter, uh, we have basically pitch black all the when you go up and when you come home. That is yeah. kind of it's black. So, it's, how much daylight do you have at this time of year? Oh, now you put me on the. Um, that's now it's better. Now this now I see much more sun. But during the um, previously during February and January, that's barely little. So I should mm-hmm. maybe come back on that how many hour, how many hours is per day, but uh, this makes it um, now. So now it's getting to better times here because now it's more. Yeah. But here up, you have also this uh, when you come higher up in Sweden, where there's basically during the winter it is black all the time almost for them. Right. But then right. during the summer it is then light all the days instead. So yeah, and that vitamin D uh, deprivation because you get vitamin D from sunlight. And a lot of it uh, enters your eyes. You, know, you don't want to look directly into the sun, but uh, on uh, tight angles, that sunlight goes into your eyes and, and creates vitamin D. Okay, and if usually in the winter time you're not uh, you're not showing much skin, so you don't get much absorption through your skin. So your face and eyes is the primary absorption point for vitamin D, natural sunlight. Okay, yeah, so and- uh, yeah, so there's a syndrome in your neck of the woods, a d- depression, wintertime depression. All right, okay, uh, it's very commonly known because of the lack yeah. of sunlight and the and your circadian rhythms being thrown off by being pitch black all the time. Yeah, we call that maybe lapsjuka. What? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> No, it's it's uh, up, upward. I don't know what to say. It's sjukes, uh, uh, sickness, and lap is like... The, okay, the northern the, sickness. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That From lack good. of sunlight and no social life because it's always dark out, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, and I, I unfortunately looked right into the sun and my, I've got uh, spots in my eyes right now. So, well, that I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> We're going to Sargon the Magnificent. And uh, we're on chapter 10 for those. Uh, if you open up the link, you have to actually download the link uh, from the new Ensign to, to read the whole thing. So go ahead and do that and you can follow along. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Michael, chapter 10, if you please. Thank you. And I would okay. like to make one more comment going to discuss this with the, the sunlight, because you have the most, they will say, receptor of, of, uh, of, the, of the sunlight is in your eyes. That is why mm-hmm. they are so sensitive to this. But you also have those receptors in your skin. So that is why you need to have what you say. Use the word skin in the game. You need yeah, to be out in right. the sun and showing your skin to absorb the sunlight. That is... Also, why example, if you if you turn up your lights when you go up to the bathroom or something during the night, you will be awake because you're signaling to your body that the clock is now 12 noon. It is not. But um, <laughs> you should not right. put on your lights when you do that in, in the night because you will you will you will you will screw your yeah um, disrupt yeah. your sleep patterns. Yeah, you can yeah. do that. And there could be enough that you maybe cover your eyes and you have light. But if you yeah. get it on the skin, you will get the same result. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. That's why we also have to wear of you also have those receptors in your um, in your skin. But the most of the receptors is in your eyes. Right, right. Well, here in Chicago, you have to wear, wear those uh, workmen's ear pads to drown out the noise from the neighbors. <laughs> the uh, mariachi music, right? <laughs> All night long. Okay, yeah, that, very okay. important. 
very important for people to know that uh, the sunlight is your primary source of vitamin D and it's uh, through your eyes and through your skin. Okay. Yes, and it is. You, no. you won't find your doctor recommending you do that. No, he won't earn any money on that. You may no. as well. Oh, horrors of horrors. <laughs> Synthetic melatonin, you know, uh, 50 bucks fifty bucks a bottle, right? Okay. Yeah, and that will, <laughs> that will for sure ruin your sleep pattern. Yeah, there you go. Sure. There you go. Don't buy, go, don't go into that. Okay. So just, just tell your date. No, you were too early by an hour. It's not my fault. Okay, back to you. Now, let's go into this magnificent book. Sargon the Magnificent. Um, so we are on page 38. Okay. All right. So the pages, uh, you're using the actual printed book. Uh, so let's just go by chapter headings. So okay. this is chapter yeah. 10, Sargon's Monumental – speaking of dates, <laughs> Sargon's Monumental Date Disputed. There's a different kind of date. All right. Back to you. Yeah. So I'm going to continue where we left off last time. Yeah. Um, since this was written, one of the two writers have boldly, on the strength of these scattered names, composed so-called histories of ancient Babylonia. But the close examination shows that no satisfactory records exist of the period of history between Sargon of Akkad and his son. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a problem here. Uh, my chapter 10, Sargon's monu Monumental Date Disputed. Maybe there's more in your book than on this website. Uh -huh, okay, it, wait. I, I started where we ended last time. Maybe I should start up from the beginning of the chapter. Okay, chapter 10 or chapter 9? Yeah, it is chapter 10, but I started I have, I have started where we left off last time. Okay, yeah. So let's yeah, start from the beginning of that chapter, and it's on page 21 of the download. Okay, okay. back to you. All right. Let's start up again. <laughs> okay. Um, since these views were expressed... As serologists have been fit to throw doubt about this early date. And the news which uh, startled Professor Hill preach to discard by them. Professor King explains that to accept this date as accurate entails the leaving of, quote, enormous gaps in Babylonian history with the invention of kings and even dynasties has not succeeding in filling up. Okay, so let me just interrupt. The date she's talking about is 30, 3790 BC. 3790 BC. And they all date uh, Sargon much later than that. Okay, back to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, these gaps can, I contend, be accounted for by my theory that Cain reigned in Babylonia many hundreds of years and was probably followed by an equally long-lived son. Since uh, Naram Sin seems to have been almost as famous as his father and to have made even more extensive conquest. Okay. Other astrologists in, in endeavoring to compile a consecutive history of ancient Babylonia shows the discard Sargon's date, 3800 BC. In the latest edition of the British Museum catalog, we find, bracket, page 45, and bracket, uh, quote, uh, It is now generally thought that the scribe of uh, Nabondias either made a mistake in copying or that there was a mistake in the archetype. In fact, 
that they wrote 3,200 instead of 2,200. <laughs> we may assume that the Sargon reigned between 3,000 BC and 2,700. Okay, so the uh, archaeologist says, that's impossible, let's just change the dates. It doesn't fit with the theory of evolution, so let's change the dates. Okay. Yeah, but if we then, if we then go by the... Um, by the biblical, then I will say, isn't it then 3,800 BC is more appropriate? That's right. I would say. Yes, absolutely. So this is, as you say, they want to they want to adjust uh, adjust the theory, um, right? But it fits their their yeah their, well, their wrong theory. Yeah, according to Archbishop uh, Usher in the uh, reckoning of the Masoretic text, we're talking 4,000 BC. Right, but it was probably earlier because that date is determined only by uh, Adam giving birth to Seth. Okay, so how long was he alive before he gave birth to Seth? Okay, nobody really knows. So it, it and uh, with the Septuagint reckoning, it's closer to five thousand BC. All right, so there's nothing wrong with the dates that she's proposing here. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. Okay, back to you. Thank you. I mm-hmm. had some water and coffee also, so I can get a good yeah, so show. I can stay awake. <laughs> now, that's right. the problem for me. Uh, the <laughs> t- time is here almost two. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Uh, page 38. It is fortunate that the rather confusing statement, which uh, clashes with my theory, is only guesswork. It seems strange that Sargon's date should be uh, so lightly discredited to make way for mythological list of kings uh, with unconvincing names. In the time history we read, quote, Unfortunately, these ancient lists consist for the most part of tables of names having strange and unfamiliar sounds. To the average reader, um, these names are necessarily re- repellent. Mm. Such word as Iana tomb. Okay. So are you still in chapter 10? Yeah, I am. There must be something missing here in the downloads. Also, uh, please continue. Let us know when uh, you get to chapter 11. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Urumush or Alushareshid. Samsuiluna. Those names, Kadashman Karbe. Okay. It cannot well be otherwise than mystified when, unconnected with any vivid um, sequ- uh, sequence of tangible events. And for the most part, the names of these earliest rulers of Babylonia stand in the present state of our knowledge as mere names, with only here and there a suggestion of tangibility. The present knowledge does not, by any means, uh, suffice to give us a full list uh, of the names of these early monarchs. Whatever is written today re- regarding early Babylonian history must then, in the nature of the case, be subjected to possible revisions tomorrow. Meantime, we must be content with the glimpses into here and there an epoch, and with the uh, citation at here and there, a name covering, as best we may, some th- uh, three and four thousand years of Babylonian history in a few merged chapters. Yeah, and right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And of course, they inflate the time spans that these monarchs reign. So, some records say they lived 200,000 years, 300,000 years, blah, blah, blah. You know, when uh, obviously since the, the d- creation date, that's not possible. Okay. But they like to exaggerate. <laughs> okay. Okay, I will continue then because you, you, I, you, you are, you are now on chapter eleven. Well, uh, it's uh, uh, let's see, uh, chapter eleven is an improbable theory. Yeah. Okay. I, I read on here. Yeah. So, so you're still in chapter ten, but I don't have uh, on my copy what you're reading. So please continue. So I read, and then mm-hmm. hopefully my my pronunciation is good enough for all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, since this was written, one of the two writers have boldly on the strength of these scattered names, composed so-called histories of ancient Babylonia. But a close examination shows that no satisfactory records exist of the period of history between Sargon of Akkad and his son, Mm. and the reign of uh, Hammurabi, who is regarded as uh, Amaraphael of Genesis uh, 14.1, the conqueror of Abraham. The long list of imaginary kings has all the air of being authentic. Uh, but I agree with the writers who claim that some of those names, bracket, Lugal um, Kibub and Lugal uh, uh, Sagisi, for instance, and bracket, are only other titles for Sargon. Oh, okay. The fact that those kings are credited in inscriptions with the very same achievements as Sargon justified um, this conclusion. I go further and suggest that most of the names in this list were mere inventions of the Babylonian priests, mm-hmm. which are now used to fill up the, uh, quote, enormous gaps, end quote, right. in caused <laughs> by the- Right. Okay, so it's not possible that, that Cain lived nearly a thousand years like Adam did, okay? So the secular uh, archaeologists don't want to believe that. So they have to assume that these different names for Sargon are, in fact, different people. That's what they have to assume. Back to you. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, what do I thought? This is also, I mean, this also comes to this, who are the author of confusion? It is Satan. <laughs> right. And here we yeah. see confusion in this priesthood. Yep. Amen. So, in history, caused by the immensely long reigns of Sargon, uh, bracket, Cain, and bracket, and his son, as a leading uh, anthropologist remarked in 1875, quote, There are huge gap in our knowledge of the history of the human race, and it has been the pleasure of mankind in all ages uh, to people those gaps with uh, jugglers and bogies, end quote. And this is a bracket. Uh, Cole Lane Fox, president of the Anthropological Institute, May 20, 28, 1875, end bracket. Okay. The royalties foisted upon us by the Babylonian priests resembled, quote, bogies, end quote, more than human beings. As an example of this, the uh, portrait of Ur-Nin King of um, Lagash with his son is reproduced facing, um, this is then on page 23 something, reference, 
Uh, a recent writer uh, commenting upon the arbitrary rejection of Sargon's date as attested by the Nabonidas. Nabonidas, I think, is uh, just another king. Another king of the Sumerians. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Says that it, quote, involves the very serious step of scrapping a positive statement made by a king who stood nearly 2,500 years nearer than we do to the uh, the events which he was dating. Right. And whose scribes had doubtless had access to documents which carried them back very much further still. End quote. And this was from the Life of the Ancient East, page 107, J. Uh, Blakey, 1923, and bracket. Naturally, since Sargon's date agreed with my theory about Cain, I gladly accept it. <laughs> it seems strange that astrologists have ignored the possibilities of any connection between Sargon and Cain, in spite of the illuminating fact that Sargon reigned uh, when, according to the Bible, Cain may have been alive, that the name Sargon means King Cain, right. and that the Babylon- Babylonian, quote, Erech, end quote, was probably the city in Enoch built by Cain. It is especially strange that Professor Says, who uh, uh, tacitly admits Cain's historical reality by suggesting that he built that city, should overlook the possibilities entailed by the suggestions Cain was born and bred in the atmosphere of of the miraculous. His parents were possessed and of supernatural knowledge, um, some mm-hmm. of uh, which must have been imparted to their children. They had had uh, been designed for immorality and in immortality. Right, there you go. <laughs> well, immorality too, after the fall, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, to judge by their longevity, uh, some uh, spark of the immortality must have survived in their descendants for many uh, centuries. Yes, yes. Although you know, the, the common uh, way of describing the reason why the patriarchs before the flood lived longer is because it was a much more pleasant environment, okay? Uh, very little disease, clean water, fresh air, that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I agree uh, with her that uh, the long-lived status of the pre, uh, pre-flood uh, patriarchs and, and people in general was due to the fact that they had some uh, blood from uh, from the fallen angels, okay, which uh, gave them a long life, okay? Yeah, and I think you also have alluded to that when you got the change in the atmosphere. Sphere. That was going right. to change the lifespan. Exactly. And also, like you quoted that one book, 1875, I think that was uh, right around the time of the Scopes trial here in America where uh, the, let's put it this way, the sciences began to be definitely anti-Bible and anti-Christian. Okay, so it, it, the dispute between evolution theory and Christian archaeology <coughs> began to rage around this time with scientists, uh, archaeologists, uh, paleontologists, etc., declaring themselves one way or the other. They're either pro-Bible or anti-Bible, and it still exists today. Okay, back to you. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, Cain's uh, pre- uh, presence 
therefore, would offer the most resembling key to the problem of ancient Babylonia. The story of the Tree of Knowledge is now often regarded as a kind of fairy tale founded upon Babylonian legends and unworthy of serious considerations. Yeah, so is Christianity. It's all based on fairy tales, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the Jews want us to believe. Yes, right? Uh, but this view is strongly opposed by the fact that bracket, as we shall see later, and bracket, the conception of the um, tree of knowledge found its way into Babylonian before 2000 BC, together with other details of the Bible story, while the non-sensual um, and paradoxical references to that story in the Babylonian inscriptions cannot um, resemble it. Uh, um, recently uh, be taken as anything but the willfully corrupted form of the events described in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Very good. Even some thinkers who accept the miracles of the New Testament doubt these um, recounted in the Old. Dr. Charles Gore, former Bishop of Oxford, writes, quote, The Christian religion could not have begun without miracles. Or the beliefs in miracles. So I think that today we are rationally led to believe that they actually occurred, and that without such belief, the conviction of the Christian faith would not hold its ground. End quote. Yeah, miracles. We have a lot of miracles that happens daily in our life. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have. Uh, with the only living God that protects us and guides us and helps us in all his way. Right, yeah. Yeah, you, you obey his laws and uh, have the faith of Jesus Christ, you're good to go. <laughs> Miracles do happen. Yes. Yeah, yes it is. Um, yet, for the first chapter of Genesis, he has little use, probably because of the miraculous elements in them, according to him. Quote, we should regard Adam and Eve not as historical individuals, but as man and woman, as um, every man. And right, yeah, okay, that's the trip. That's the cop out, right? It's not real history, right? It's figurative language. Okay, that's the way you know academic archaeologists view the Bible, even today. Yeah, and that yeah. bracket is and the bracket can we believe? Can <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, is it not equally rational to believe that the Hebrew religion began with the miraculous events recorded in Genesis, and that without these events, there would have been no religion at all? Christianity, as St. Augustine, uh, bracket of Hippo, and bracket, remarked, began in Genesis, and uh, judging by the way in which the pioneers of Christianity referred to the book of Genesis, his sentiment was inspired by their writings. It is reasonable, therefore, to draw uh, the line between the miracles of the Old Testament and New Testament. Just as the true religion required miracles as a foundation, so I suggest did also the false religion of Babylonia, which we shall look into later. And this would account for the obscure allusions in the Babylonian mythological inscriptions to the miraculous events described in the first chapter of Genesis. And yeah, now I'm well, in chapter yeah, 11. Every, every religion claims miracles, right? 
an, uh, an otherworldly other source for the existence of this world. And to that extent, uh, all the religions are correct because uh, this world does not uh, create itself through uh, mere matter. No, it's, it's created in the mind of Yahweh and he uh, brings it forth in our world. Okay, that, that's the reality. Of course, of course, quantum mechanics is validating that. Okay, but most of these archaeologists don't know anything about quantum mechanics and how many um, Nobel laureates have said very plainly, it appears that the universe is a great thought. It's not a machine. It's a thought. It's conscious. Consciousness is the primary force on the universe. That's what uh, quantum mechanics has taught us. But uh, you won't hear anything like that in the universities. Back to you. Wasn't this this that this uh, what to say infamous famous um, Steeler Einstein? Right. Case, he referred to this. What did he call it? He had some. Uh, he called it something very strange because he couldn't he couldn't believe it, but it did happen. This uh, um, goofy stuff at distance. I don't know what he called. Oh it. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, du- uh, dual locality. Yeah. Where uh, it, it, uh, that uh, connection between distant objects experiencing the same thing at the same time, uh, half half a planet away, right? Yeah. 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 By Goof- location, right? Yeah, we'll call it goofy actions at a distance. Right. Like right. Yeah. Right. That's why quantum mechanics is weirdness. <laughs> weirdness. But that what it uh, what it suggests is that the connection between the two events, half a planet away, which are instantaneous. Okay. Uh, the, the connection is in the ether or in another dimension, to put it another way. So it's proving the interdimensionality of the universe. No doubt about it. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, there, Yahweh did prove to him that, hey, I exist. You can't, you, yeah, right. you can't deny it, but it did. Right, yeah. Slap, slap, slap. <laughs> We're getting the slap down from Yahweh because we don't believe he exists and therefore yeah. don't obey his laws. Yep. Mm-hmm. So now we are in chapter 11. Okay. An improbable theory. Okay, now wait a minute. Okay, yeah, so... I think, uh, did you read the, the footnotes here? Uh, the Sumer and Akkad? No. No? Okay, let me let me read those because I think they're interesting. Uh, L. King, a uh, book by Sumer, uh, entitled Sumer and Akkad by L. King. It seems noteworthy that Professor King, who in this work published elaborate lists of Sumerian kings, the, the, should thus confess their conjectural character. And then, two, the reluctance to accept Sargon's early date leads to some confusion. Professor Waddell, for instance, in a footnote says, quote, The founder of the first Sumer dynasty about 3100 B.C., who uses the swastika and figures himself as a fire priest, often records his presentation on a font pan or font of the abyss to different temples which he erected. Sargon won about 2800 BC, that's 2800 BC, as high priest who uses the swastika, describes himself as a water libator and devotee of New Isir, Nazir, Nazi. <laughs> so we have Nazis in Sumeria, uh, Nazir of God, Phoenician origin of Britons by uh, L.A. Waddell. Back to you. Oh, okay. Oh, she says, how much simpler to regard both kings as one and the same person? Okay, very good. 
Okay, let's then continue chapter 11 and improbable theory. Uh, before bringing forward evidence from the Babylonian inscriptions in further support of my theory of the identity of Cain with Sargon, the site, bracket, to continue my former metaphor and bracket, must be clear to facilitate the building up of that theory. Uh, with the reader's help, bracket, for this whole attention is wanted here, and bracket, the most formidable obstructions must now be dealt with, for we came up against the theory held by most astrologists um, that the ancient civilization of Babylonia, which I ascribed to Cain, was evolved by an inferior race called Sumerians or Akkadians, who, according to Professor Says, were probably blacks. Um, from their study, of the monuments, uh, astrologists in fear that B Babylonia was first inhabited by two races, one being an inferior type and the other a superior white race, which they think eventually rule over the inferior one. Yeah, that's usually but, what happens. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, and uh, this is the weak part of the story. They hold that it was the inferior race which evolved the ha! astonishing civilization and culture of ancient Babylonia. Oh, that's how evolution began, right? <laughs> the, the inferior race developed into the uh, superior race. No. Oh, no, no, no. You shouldn't be using words like inferior and superior. No. no that's, that's opposite. Exactly. Yeah, that right. Satan is opposite of everything. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it just shows how much speculation there is going on among that uh, that art called Assyriology, right? So much speculation. Um, the art of um, cuneiform writing and the mythological, all of which was absorbed, bracket, they tell us, and bracket, uh, by the conquering race, which ruled the land as early as the third millennium before Christ, and who became the powerful Babylonians mentioned in the Bible. It is therefore to this inferior race that the invention of the mythological account of the creation is ascribed, and it is their um, gods which are supposed to be the models um, from which were, quote, borrowed, end quote, the um, char characters describes in the first chapter of Genesis. Um, even astrologists who accept this story see its weakness. <laughs> right. Okay. So the the Kangs, K-A-N-G-Z, the Kangs of Africa taught the Hamites who were white how to rule a country. And it, that was a big mistake because the Hamites took over. <laughs> right. That's kind of what this theory is. It's absurd on its face. Back to you. It is. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, Professor Say says, uh, quote, uh, this is so um, uh, straddling, so contrary to preconceived ideas that it was long refused um, credence by the leading Orientalists of Europe. Even today, there are scholars and Notably one who has himself achieved success in the Syrian research, who still refused to believe that Babylonian civilization was originally the creation of a race 
which has long since fallen into the rear rank of human progress, end quote. Okay, there's that verse in, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah, that's uh, speaking, saying, the Assyri- about the Assyrian, thou wast in the garden. Okay, could be simply saying the origin of Assyria was in the Garden of Eden and it started with Cain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was also the fallen enemy was also in the garden. Uh, there you go. Demigods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was from ancient history. Professor King, who also held this theory, admits that the mon- monuments testify to the presence of both races in Babylonia at the beginning of history. He writes, quote, It would thus appear that at the earliest period of which remains or records have been recovered, uh, Semites and Sumerians were both settled in Babylonia, end quote. And a bracket is from Samar and Akkad, page 53, yeah. end bracket. In which case, it is surely uh, to the superior race that we should look for the um, organator, organizers of the civilization and culture. National, yes, yeah. Naturally, since the authority regard the inferior races as the pioneer of old Babylonian civilization, he believes that the oldest gods first be- belonged to that race and were taken over in later time by the superior race who conquered them. While holding this opinion himself, he frankly admits that at least one authority argued against it, because in the monumental drawings, um, those gods are represented as members of the superior race, and says, quote, Man forms his god in his own image, and it is uh, surprising that the gods of the Sumerians should not have been of the Sumerian type, end quote. Okay, so in other words, I think he's using Sumerian to be the uh, black black race as opposed to the white race. Not sure. That's unclear what the, the statement means, but uh, please continue. Yeah, and this was yeah. from Summer, uh, um, yeah. Summer and the Card, page 49. Yeah, so I don't think there's any images of black demigods in Sumer. I, don't, I, I haven't recalled seeing anything like that. The uh, the what do you call the demigods are usually depicted as bearded white men. Okay, almost always. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Back to you. So uh, shadowly are the grounds upon which are based this improbable theory that some astrologists doubt existence in Babylonia of any other race than the so-called Semitic race to which Sargon belonged. Um, Sir James uh, Fraser writes, quote, um, Astrologists are by no means agreed as to the occupation of Babylonia by an alien race before the arrival of, arrival of the Semites, uh, end quote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and by Semites, I think they mean white people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it suits my theory however, to believe that a race different from the so-called Semitic race um, to which Sargon belonged lived first in Babylonia. I regarded those people as the pre-Adamites over whom Cain ruled and the fact that all accounts of them are of the slightest um, description seems to be 
and natural. For if they were an inferior race, as we should infer from the Bible and the monuments, they would have left no records of any kind. And the names of uh, actions attributed to them were therefore probably invented by the latest historians of Babylonia. As one writer says, quote, we are constrained to view the Sumerians um, solely in the light of their successors, end quote. Okay, well, that's true of all archaeology, <laughs> right? Who left the records behind, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this is very interesting. Uh, she says pre-Adamites. Very good, because that, that's what we believe in identity. Two seed line that uh, Adam and Eve had relatives living out in what well, let's call it Sumeria. All right, but uh, the, the the races were created in Genesis one, and in Genesis two, the man Adam and the woman Eve are selected from those pre-Adamites, and Yahweh uh, improved their uh, made them made them demigods actually. Made them demigods in status, but they fell shortly after th this incident, you know, with Nakash. Okay, so it's hard to say, you know, when did this fall occur, and uh, when did uh, the, the, the Seth? Uh, when was Seth born? Hard to pinpoint dates like that. Okay, but back to you. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. So now we come into chapter twelve, um, the Sumerian problem. It seems that the reasons why the inferior race is supposed by astrologists to have involved the ancient civilization of Babylonia are first, that Sargon, in whose reign that civilization existed, could not, in their opinion, have originated it, since its evolution must have required many centuries. A very natural conclusion, since they do not identify Sargon with Cain. And secondly, that most of the inscriptions upon the monuments are written in a mixed dialect. Very different from the Babylonian language uh, talked by Sargon and the later Babylonians. Because of the primitive style of the larger part of the inscriptions, most scholars believe that their language was that of the inferior <laughs> race too. They therefore claim originated the civilization of Babylonia as well as the um, uh, cuneiform writings. Right. Okay. So uh, it is typical for archaeologists to assume that uh, any civilization had a, uh, star a menial starting point, you know, like the cave dwellers, and that these cave dwellers evolved into uh, the evolved language and created gods and goddesses, and their civil civilization developed gradually from that mean or low starting point. But that's not the case for Egypt and Assyria. I mean, uh, Sumeria. Those two civilizations, they show no evidence whatsoever of such a gradual buildup. No, they were full-fledged civilizations when they appeared, which means they had superior knowledge when they appeared. Back to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, since this opinion is in irreconceivable uh, with my own, that it was Sargon, uh, bracket, King King, and bracket, who introduced that civilization and culture. I must therefore further attem attempting to build up my theory. Try to put before the reader uh, as um, concisely as possible both sides of the question. Fortunately, 
a school of um, Assyriologists existed whose views unintentionally support my own. That school is called, quote, uh, Halevian, end quote, after the French Assyriologist Joseph um, Halevi, uh, while the opposing school is known as Sumerian. This question is known as, quote, the Sumerian problem, end quote. And in studying it, it must be remembered that the word, quote, Sumerian, end quote, is applied to the people whom I regard as uh, pre-Adamite. And the word, quote, Semite, end quote, to Sargon and his race. This problem is said to be, uh, quote, of vital importance, end quote. Um, to those who wish to know more about the history of ancient Babylonia, a, su- a supporter of the, quote, Sumerian school, end quote, writes, quote, after a long dispute carried on chiefly by um, philosoph- philosophists. Yeah. Philologists, uh, those who study l- languages, yeah. Yeah. It is now generally concede um, that the earliest civilization of southern Babylonia was due to a non-Semitic people, the Sumerians. To this people, it would seem, m- must be ascribed the honor of developing the chief feature of Mesopotamia civilization, including the invention of the um, cuneiform system of, of writing. And that must be from the Encyclopedia of Britannica, edition uh, 11, summer. Um, now this French uh, school again. The Hal- Halvian school, on the other hand, considered that the language of the inscriptions is merely an invention of the Babylonian priest of later times and represents, quote, nothing more than a, um, a priestly system of um, crypto uh, graphic based, of course, upon the common uh, uh, phonetic speech, end quote. Okay, so they developed letters to uh, represent the, the cryptography based uh, upon the common phonetic speech. So somehow they changed phonemes, which are uh, sounds, you know, sounds you make, you make with your mouth. And sometimes other parts of your body, <laughs> like, your, like well, your your lips, your tongue, your nose, can be involved in speech as well. So somehow they developed a system of representing those sounds with figures. Okay. Now it's interesting also that the Chinese uh, relate their stick figures, their their form of writing, you know, which is uh, what do they call it now? Uh, it's not cryptography. Uh, but uh, you know those stick figures they use as letters. Okay, the, those actually refer all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and uh, they say that's the origin of that, their system of writing. It goes all the way back to the Garden of, Garden of Eden. So again, that that proves that there's all, all these races were around at that time. They were all around. Okay, back to you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, in Professor Halavi's opinion. The earliest character um, from which grew the um, cuneiform writings testified to the Semitic origin of that writing and uh, completely. Quote, refute the, the hypothesis of early uh, deceivers that there existed a 
on Babylonian soil prior to the Semites, an alien race called Sumerians or Akkadians, from whom came the um, cuneiform character as well as the entire Semitic civilization of Babylonia. And yeah, then I, I would have to say this is true of virtually all secular archaeology. These people do not know what they're talking about, especially since they simply re refuse to accept the evidence from the Bible. Okay? Period. Yeah, yeah. that okay. is like they would say, starting point, not mm. agree with the Bible. Right. <laughs> Brother Eber says, your armpit can make sounds too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, that's incorporated into some speech <laughs> as well. All right, back to you. Yeah, and uh, this was from Times History, Volume 1, page 210. This opinion has been supported by Professor uh, Delich and other German um, critics and agrees with Professor Hugo uh, Winkler's statement that the Babylonian inscriptions exhibits the same char uh, characteristics as the monks' Latin and as the um, Macaronic uh, uh, compositions through his says, a quote, in the latter case, the li linguistic um, hybridations are often humorously meant, and this uh, Mongol Sumerian is always serious. Okay, right. No joking around from the Sumerians. <laughs> okay. Um, to give some idea of what, in the above, above writer's opinion, the Sumerian language is like, I quote the Century Dictionary, which um, described the uh, mac macaronic writing as, quote, um, characterized by the use of many strange, distorted, or forging words of, or forms, with little regard to syntax, yet with sufficient analogy to uh, common words and constructions to bear or seem intelligible, end quote. Okay, so assuming it's very primitive, you, you, you create a word for dog, let's say, right? But you haven't uh, developed a sentence to something like, see the dog, right? So you, what you do is you point your finger at the dog and say, dog, and that's how you teach each other, right? And eventually you come up with, so that's a noun, and then you come up with verbs, you know, I am going, I am coming, right? That sort of thing. Yeah, if, if this is the way it developed, it would have to develop very, very slowly, and they would have to come up with figures that represent the nouns and the verbs, which is a very difficult process, okay? But the Bible says that he taught us how to, how to speak. He taught us speech. So to us, it just comes naturally. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, the quote, um, philological dispute, end quote, is therefore this. The Sumerian school claimed that an inferior race called Sumerians invented the writings, etc., of Babylonia, uh, which the superior race called Semites afterwards ab absorbed. On the other hand, the uh, Halevian school denies the existence of the inferior race altogether and claims for the superior race the invention of the Babylonian writings, civilization and culture, a means of reconci reconciling these opposing views is offered by my theory that the inferior language is that of the pre-Adamites 
whose existence we infer from the Bible that the superior language was that of Cain, and that the two languages were mixed up by the scribes of later days in um, days into a kind of secret dialect. Okay, very good. Okay. Yeah, and, and so-called secret, uh, I don't know if it would be secret, but you know, it would be hard to teach you know, masses of people this new language that's just starting to develop, right? That would be difficult. So the priests and the astronomers would uh, be the first people to use that, that, such a language. And, of course, astronomy revolves around mathematics, so mathematics and language would have been developed around the same time. Okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, now we are in chapter 13. Professor Leonard's King's Ultimatum Questioning. Um, because of the apparently primitive language in which most of the inscriptions are written, certain verses of the uh, creation, fall of man and the deluge, are believed by the Sumerian school to date back to the time before Sargon of Akkad, uh, to be the work of the, quote, Sumerians, end quote and to be the models on which both the Bible and Babylonian stories were founded. As we have seen, this opinion has been disputed. But in 1916, Professor King announced his conviction that the controversy must be settled in favor of the Sumerian school, since quantities of tablets had been found at Nippur in Babylonia. Uh, which were almost entirely written in the, quote, Sumerian, end quote, language. This hardly justified um, his conclusion. However, um, if, as another astrologist writes, quote, nothing found at Nippur can be dated with any certainty earlier than 2500 BC, end quote. And that, that is from Religion of Babylonia and Assyria, page 595, by M. Jastro. Um, for in the case that, quote, Semites, end quote, who are known to have been in Babylonia before that date, may have already invented the, quote, priestly um, cryptogram, end quote, which Professor Halloway believes the, quote, Sumerian language, end quote, to be. Professor King seems to discount his own conclusion and support that of Professor Havely by saying that hundreds of the Babylonian tablets are inscribed with, quote, dramatical um, comp uh, compilations, end quote, <coughs> and lists of Sumerian words accompanied by their translation into the Babylonian speech, which he says, show how carefully the primitive Sumerian language was studied by the Babylonian priest. He writes, quote, uh, The late Sir Henry Ravelson rightly concludes that these uh, strange texts were written in the language um, of some race who had inhabited Babylonia before the Semites, while he explains the list of words as early um, dictionaries compiled by the Assyrian scribes to help them in the studies of the ancient tongue, end quote. And this is from Samar Akkad, page 4. And according to Professor Jastro, quote, many of these, uh, these school texts were written in a Sumerian version, so um, amounting 
uh, from priests who spoke Babylonia, end quote. And that is from Religions of Babylonia and Assyria, page 279. Okay. Let's continue. Yeah. It seems evident that the scribes who thus studied the primitive language with apparently a view of um, re, re, uh, resuscitate, resuscitate. resuscitate. Yeah. And could put as much or as little of it into their inscriptions as they chose, and that these um, comparatively newly discovered inscriptions may have been their last productions instead of the work of the ancient inhabitants of Babylonia. Professor says, although uh, sharing in the opinion that the Bible and Babylonia stores were originated by the, quote, Sumerians, end quote, admits that those stories have come down to us through generations of Babylonian priests. He writes in reference to the Sumerian story of the creation, uh, quote, each um, uh, antiquity is shown by the fact that it is written in the ancient language of summer, but it is evident that the old poem has been revised and re-edited by the priesthood of Babylon. The creator god, Ea, has been uh, uh, supplanted by uh, Merodach. It is possible that even in its alter alterations at the hands of uh, theologians of Babylonia, the old cosmological poem of Eridu has been modified in accordance with the requirements of the, the theology, which resulted from a fusion of Sumerian and Semitic ideas, end quote. Okay, so either... Either the Sumerian language came first or this hypothetical language of the primitives <laughs> developed into what we know as Sumerian. Okay. So uh, I, you know, since the evidence clearly suggests that both Egypt and Sumeria sprang into being overnight, that uh, it's obvious that the Sumerians had this high, high level of intelligence from the very beginning. And I think uh, Mrs. Bristow correctly ascribes it to Cain. Okay, I think she's got her finger on the correct button here. Okay, back to you. Uh, thank you. Mm. It seems strange the professor who has seized the artificially of this story can feel convinc uh, convinced of this, uh, of its, quote, Sumerian, end quote, authorship. To me, it is only one of the corrupt, uh, corrupt versions of the creation story handed down from the times of Cain by the Babylonian priest. Mm -hmm. It is indeed a recommendation uh, for the Halivian theory and in, incidentally for mine as well <laughs> that if either of them is adopted the suppo uh, supposed Sumerian inscriptions may be regarded as nothing more than the non-sensual inventions of the pagan priest and probably part of a scheme to mystify uh, posterity. Okay. To confuse us. <laughs> right? That happens all the time. Yes. So this is then chapter 14. Uh, suggested reconsolidation of the two theories. Uh, if only, as before suggested, the Sumerian school would accept the uh, Halvian theory that the language of the inscriptions is a um, concoction of the priest and if if in return the 
Halvians would accept the theory of the Sumerian school that the inferior dialect is a real language. As I am inclined to regard it, their views could be reconciled and would fit in with my own that the superior language was that of Cain mm-hmm. and that inferior that of the pre-Adamites. Such a mutual uh, con- uh, concession would not be incompatible. In incompatible, incompatible, right? With, with the, the science of um, uh, philology, after carefully discussing both sides of the question, an American professor writes, "Quote: The Semitic priests and scribes played with and on the Sumerian idioms and turned what was originally an um, agglutinative, uh, ag, um, agglutinative. Not sure what that means. Agglutinative." But, uh, yeah, uh, probably uh, the letter G, I'll look that up. What does that (laughs) word mean? Okay. Language into what has almost justified Halloween and his followers in calling Sumerian um, cryptogram, end quote. And and this is from then uh, bracket G, uh, Dinley Prince, uh, prof of Semitic language, Columbia University. And that's probably from... Um, and uh, okay, his further remarks show that he would willingly agree with the um, Halvian school that the language of the inscriptions was an arrangement of the priest for purpose of mystifications, uh, were it not for the fact that he cannot satisfy himself uh, that the inferior part of the language was not the real language once spoken in Babylonia. Since he cannot satisfy himself on this point, he um, practically gives up the problem. It can hardly be denied that if my theory about Cain and the pre-Adamites is accepted, it solves the, quote, Sumerian problems, end quote. And since, quote, the evidence of the theory increases with the number of facts which it explains, end quote, there is much to be said in its favor. For my purpose, it matters little whether the inferior language of the Babylonian inscriptions belonged to the pre-Adamites or was invented by the priest. That question uh, I have leave to um, philologists. Uh, what does matter to me is the discovery made by both schools that the writers of the inscriptions chose to mix that inferior language with their own. For by doing this, they make their writings almost unintangible, thus supporting my theory that they willfully obscure their meaning. Okay, all right, so here's a <laughs> agglutinative means gluing or adhesive. Agglutinative language. This term comes from the Latin agglutinatio and translates as gluing. Based on the name itself, Agglutinative languages are the languages in which the so-called formants play the main role in the formation of words. Suffixes, prefixes, affixes, and it says prefixes again. So, so in other words, you have your root word and you stick suffixes and prefixes and other additions to the root word, and that's how you develop the language. Apparently, that's what agglutinative means. Okay, back to you. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not like how the language comes together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, piecemeal. <laughs> All right. Why, why couldn't you use that word instead? Yeah. A, I never heard that word before. <laughs> well, see, the, the prefixes and suffixes have to stick to the root word, right? Like you, you glue it all together, right? <laughs> Crazy. All right, we learned something today. Okay, very good. Yeah, and you are Nate. You, you, this is uh, for me. This is yeah, some of the words are for me, yeah. <laughs> right. Lots, a lot of new words for you. Yep. Yes. Um, okay, chapter 15. The Great Conspiracy. Oh, no. There's no such thing as conspiracies. <laughs> isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that what the mass media tells us all the time? They are the biggest conspirators. Yeah, amen. Um, so, Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. Yes. Already from the beginning. And this is from Jeremiah. Yeah, those Roman. Um, uh, 40. Sure. Ver, uh, Jeremiah 40, verse 7. Ah, that's 40, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So this is how, how the world is today, isn't it? Yep. Still is. Hasn't changed much, has it? Nothing new under the sun. No. Right? We're all, we're all still crazy after all these years. Yeah, drunk of the Babylonian <laughs> right? easy money. Drunk on materialism of all different meanings. Materialism as a philosophy. Materialism meaning greed, lust for money, right? That's what people are mad about. Drunk drunk yeah. with all that stuff. But gambling, right? Gambling is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and easy money to oh, go man. and yeah. taking loans, to go yes. into debt, being yeah, a so slave. Money that you don't have to work for, <laughs> right? But didn't Yahweh say that oh, the white man will have to earn his keep by the sweat of his brow, right? Yeah, but I guess uh, that uh, the Jews come up with a method to, yeah. to try to, yeah, go against that. Yeah, it's called theft. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that is theft. Mm -hmm. Same as taxation. Right? That's also theft. Yep. Yeah. Taking my money and then give it to someone else. I cannot even say what to do with the money. They take my money and right. do whatever they want with it. Well, no, they use it to buy a knife to stab you with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. They're buying off uh, people. The politicians. <laughs> Klaus Schwab, right? He needs money, doesn't he? No, he's, he, no, he's, no he, he doesn't. Is. Yeah, right. He's filthy rich. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's then continue. Having done my best to satisfy the reader that there is no proof that the Babylonian civilization culture were evolved by an inferior race, the ground is cleared for the further building up of my theory that Cain was identical with Sargon, and that uh, to this superhuman knowledge of good and evil must be attributed to ancient glory of Babylonia, as well as he endured shame. Okay, her enduring shame. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, the confusion of the uh, archaeologists just uh, proves only one thing, that they have no idea what they're talking about, and you have to rely on bib the biblical narrative to guide your study. That's what you have to do. Very good, Mrs. Bristow. Job well done. Please continue. Yes. Discarding the teachings of the Sumerian school that the inferior race of Bab Babylonia gradually evolved, 
uh, bracket, presumably from uh, sticks and stones and bracket. The earliest gods and goddesses is it seems natural to regard Cain as their inventor. For as Professor Kittle argues, the idea of false deities can only have occurred in the first instance to one of the possessed the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And since, as I show later, the oldest gods Anu and uh, Ishtar represent Adam and Eve, the fact that they were first worshipped in Erech or Unuk, bracket, the city probably built by Cain, and bracket, points to this conclusion. Ancestor worship, that's what all paganism boils down to, is ancestor worship, deification of ancestors. Yeah, like up here, Odin. Yeah, (laughs) but he really lived. (laughs) Yeah, well, ancestor worship, there you go. Yeah. Um, quote, there are some reasons for believing that the oldest siege and pr- uh, possibly the original siege of the Anu cult was in Erech, as it is there where the um, Ishtar cult took its race, end quote. Hmm. And that's from the Encyclopedia of Britannica, edition uh, 11, page 113. Um as does Professor Say's statement that an astro uh, theology grew up in the uh, court of Sargon, in which uh, the heavens, etc., were um, divided between Anu, Ea, and Bel, whom I regard as representing Adam, Eve, and the devil. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, this is what I believe where you come, this trinity comes from. Also. Right. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I never made a connection they, between Ea and Eve. Yeah, very interesting. Because if what do they say when they say this? You should give in the in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Isn't that what they say? Something well, like yeah, that. and uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is the the Comforter, which is usually a feminine quality. Okay. Yeah. So okay, so yeah, you see it right there: Adam, Eve, and the devil. Yeah, yeah. that is probably then. I mean, then Adam, and then the devil is then representing the, is that then the sun? Right, yeah, right. Well, as Paul says, Adam is the the, the first Adam, and then Yahshua is the second Adam, which is the son of Yahweh, as we understand it anyway. Yeah, okay. But see, all of these pagan religions, they deify uh, evil as well, right? Uh, the... Uh, that's why they pray and make offerings to the evil gods and goddesses so that it won't hurt them, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, but they do because their gods yeah. doesn't exist. That's right. And then we pray to Yahweh so he won't chastise us. All right, so we have to be good. We have to keep to his laws and he, then he won't, uh, nothing, nothing will happen to us. Right, well, he may still test us, <laughs> right? As Job was tested, right? We we all get that tribulation. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, usually, but yeah. Go ahead. Wasn't that in matter of fact Satan that asked Yahweh, "Can I test uh, yeah. Job? You may, yep. but you may not kill him." Right. Right. So may... there was Satan that tested him. Yeah, it tested him severely. Lost everything. Yeah. But yeah, he came back strong. The, but actually, yeah. that's a, that's also a metaphor for the Adamic race, right? Because that's what we're going through as a race right now. And uh, and we're going to regain our glory very soon. 
I think it's just a few years now, folks. <laughs> a few years now when uh, Klaus Schwab and Rothschilds have uh, t- chosen 2025 as the concluding year for their uh, COVID lockdown. We'll see how that works out. Back to you. Yeah, that's got to tell us something that that is the year they always speak about 2025. And that yeah. is their, they have seen something and they are so hurried now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Right. Yeah. And when you hurry, you make mistakes. That's good for yeah, us. Make way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's continue. Um, if Cain was Argon, St. John's statement that he was, quote, of that wicked one, end quote, finds striking support in Babylonian scriptures in which Chargon is called the son of the devil. Oh, wow. Really? Very interesting. Okay, please. Yeah, please read that. Quote, the divine um, Sargani, the um, illustrious king, a son of Bel, the just, the king of Agade, and of the children of Bel, end quote. And Mm. Bel is the devil. Yes, right, Baal, right. Very good. Yeah, and this is the first Bible, um, Colonel Condor, page 222. Um, Baal, the, quote, Lord of the Underworld, end quote, is called alternatively in the inscriptions Mulil and Enlil, and Sargon's allegiance to the devil under the uh, later name is alluded to in an inscription upon a vote, um, Votive vase of white um, calcite um, uh, stalagmite as follows. Quote, uh, to the uh, good Enlil, the king of all lands, king Sargania, king of Erech, um, the world king, the prince of God, the mighty man, the obedient son of the good uh, god Ea, uh, the great ruler or uh, Patesia, of the divine king of all lands. Now, that's a lie. He was not the obedient son of Eve. <laughs> he was the disobedient son of Eve. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening obediently to the God and Lil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God and Lil, that is the devil. So, um, Right. Having become sole chief of Erech, invoking Nina. And it's probably the case, now that I'm looking at Enlil, is probably the source of the uh, name Lilith. You know, that uh, that so-po- so-called goddess that the Jews talk about, who uh, that Adam slept with. Maybe she's fictitious, maybe not. But, uh, yeah, Enlil and Lilith, you know, cognate terms, L-I-L. Okay, back to you. We have just a couple minutes left. Yeah, invoking Nina uh, for the far-famed uh, lady of Erech, though the mighty aid in his god in the day that the uh, god Enlil made to King Sarginia, the grant of royalty on earth, alluded to him in sight of the world, the host of the lands being uh, obedient from east to west. He has added every land by making conquest. He has made the high place of Erech a shrine of Ea. So he, so he worships his mother. But remember, Adam was not his father. No. So he wouldn't Gabriel. worship Adam, would he? That is Gabriel. Yep. There you go. So that's, yeah. Uh, that makes so sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So that's uh, Eva. Yeah. His mother, Eva. Yeah. So this was the first, from the first Bible, Colonel uh, Condor, page two hundred nineteen. So evidence would be given later that the names Nina and Ea both represent Eve or Ishtar. And um, Colonel Condor gives another inscription um, uh, purporting to be of Sargon and quote. King uh, Sargania, king of Erech, having overthrown the world, has erected a temple this day for the uh, god Enlil, king of all lands, to worship Enlil, uh, king of all lands, all his life long. Let the words I, henceforth, behold the favored place, uh, prosperity enduring for many years. End quote. Okay. All right, very good. We'll have to pick up this connection she makes with Eve and Ia and uh, Ishtar. Very interesting. I hadn't seen that connection made before. All right, folks, that concludes our show for today. This is Biblical History brought to you by uh, uh, Mrs. Sidney Bristone and your folk radio. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you later on Vochi. Okay, take care, everybody. Take care, Michael. Yahweh bless. Yahweh bless. Goodbye for now. Okay, bye-bye, everybody. See you all next time. Hold on.